What's up, Tennis Girl Nation? My name is Emily Zaber. I am a former Division I tennis player and current high-performance coach. And I'm Grace Melrose, Tennis Girl Nation founder and WTA player. Now Emily and I are both high-performance coaches, and we love sharing what we learned during our time playing and coaching with players just like you. Tennis Girl Nation podcast exists to help every girl reach their full tennis potential. This is a short podcast you can listen to before practice, matches, and on your way home from school. Let's get started. What's up, girls? This is Grace Melrose, and I am here with Emily Zaber. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about her experience playing college tennis. I love the idea that you guys are going to be learning from people who are ahead of you in your tennis games and who have actually played at the levels that you guys want to play at. So, Emily, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to me, Grace. (laughs) I'm super, super excited to talk about your experience playing college tennis. I think the girls are going to learn so much um, from you. So, girls, if you're listening to this right now on your way to school, on your way home from practice, um, take out your iPhone and take a couple notes because I think Emily's going to share some really, really valuable stuff. So Emily, I'd like to start out with you just sharing a little bit about where you played college tennis um, and a little bit about your experience playing at Alabama. I just gave it away, but Uh you go from here. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. You might get a roll tide there. Okay. Sorry, Auburn fans. But um, yeah, so I played college tennis at the University of Alabama from 2011 to 2015. So nearing age 30 now, I'll give myself a couple years, but um, no, it was, it was wonderful. I never thought I would go to the University of Alabama. It, I thought it was just some random school in the country and knew nothing about it. Um, but I am so glad I got to play there. And now my parents are probably two of the biggest Alabama fans in history. Another, um, another Roll Tide? Another Roll Tide, yes. Hi, Rick and Debbie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And I, um, I really loved, loved my college experience. I don't think... I have a lot of friends who play college tennis who can't all say that, but I really had an amazing experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's back up before you played college tennis and talk a little bit about your recruiting process. What was that like for you? Absolutely. So mine might have been a little excessive. Um, I think my dad played college tennis at Michigan State, and he was very aware of what this process looked like. I think I was very fortunate because some 17-year-olds have no idea what they're doing And so they get calls and, you know, letters in the mail from college coaches, and they're really swayed by um, this idea that they're going to be a star at this school. And so my dad did a really good job of just asking great questions to coaches um, that I wouldn't have thought of as a 17-year-old. So for me, one thing we did, and I think this was really helpful, was starting around age 15, 16, if we were near a college campus, we would go see it. And so some of the places that I got to see growing up were Michigan State, Notre Dame, um, University of Georgia, UNC. So if we were near a place, we would see it and I could say quickly, wow, this might be a place I'm interested in or not. So going through that process was really helpful. It also saved a lot of time and money for my parents. Um, and then when it actually got to be more serious, probably in between my junior and senior year of high school, we went on specific tours to certain schools. So I went and took an unofficial visit to Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, um, and a couple areas around the South. And so I got to have, um, an experience to see the campus, but also get to know these coaches, which 
is huge, right? If you're going to be around a coach for four years, if they stay there, you want someone who is going to encourage you and lift you up rather than verbally abuse you. <laughs> it's true. It happens. So, um, I started looking at schools. Um, some of my requirements, I wanted a school six hours or less away from home. I wanted to be able to drive home. Um, I wanted teammates who worked really hard um, and wanted to play at a really high level. And I wanted a school that would provide great academic resources as well as athletic resources. Yeah. So um, I ended up taking five official visits. I actually was offered a couple of full scholarships from schools before um, hard courts of that year. And I really wanted to take all of my visits. Uh, thankfully, the coaches that I worked with are amazing and really respected my time of taking my five visits and then making a decision. But I ended up um, going on official visits to Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Alabama, and Florida State. Um, and all were incredible. The coaches that I still keep in touch with there were amazing. Um, and my third visit was to Alabama, and when I was driving home, the coach called my mom, offered me a full scholarship, wow. and um, it was amazing, um, but I couldn't tell her yet that I was committing, so I just had on the phone, Jenny, I really love my visit. It was really phenomenal, um, but I have to take these two more visits and then make my decision, so yeah. ended up after my fifth visit um, to Florida State, um, committing to Alabama, and you know, calling my coach, Jenny Maines, who is still at Alabama, um, and accepting. And then, you know, I, I had to call four other coaches and tell them I wasn't coming to their school, which honestly at 18 years old or 17, I can't remember how old I was at the time. Like I was crying because these coaches were amazing people who had poured in three or four months to me, really wanting them to come, really wanted me to come to their school. So, um, but I will say one thing. So Going on these visits was really helpful. And then I also created a spreadsheet um, with all the things I wanted and weighed them out differently at school so I could see rationally what was a good decision. You know, you might feel it in your heart like, oh, this is the place for me. But if, if it's really important for you that a coach is there or teammates are there or a campus and that piece leaves, are you still going to be happy at that school? Yeah. Yeah. I love so many things that you just said. And I wanted to highlight one or two because I yeah. think they're they're really valuable for the girls listening. I love that um, you went to visit schools before you even knew what you were looking for. It's almost like making that dream a little bit more tangible. You didn't know if you guys were driving by UNC, if you'd want to go there one day. You didn't probably know what their tennis program was like, but I love that you guys took steps to make that dream tangible for you. I also love that you were specific with what you wanted. You wrote down, you didn't just say, oh, I want to play at the number one school in the country. Well, awesome. But what, what do you want? Right? Like you really took the time to think about, yeah, I want a school that's this many hours from home. This is what I want academically. And I feel like that probably led very much into you making that decision to play there. Um, so I think those are awesome things to think through for the girls listening, moving into the tennis portion of things. Um, you probably got on court in your college practices and realized, oh man, like I'm prepared in some ways, but I'm also not prepared in some ways what is one thing that after playing college tennis or after being exposed to that level of playing that you wish you would train more as a junior player? Oh, I, I think that's a good one. I think a lot of us come into college and we're surprised of, you know, how important it is to train a certain thing. I, I, I will say one thing that I regret is my senior year after my senior year of high school, 
after I committed to play at Alabama, um, most of the girls who were the year above me and around me who were committing to colleges took time off. They, they stopped playing tournaments. Um, they were still practicing, but it was more casual. You know, the, the culture was, well, now I can have a social life for six months before I go to school. And as a coach now, you know, when I, when I see these girls commit, I remind them, hey, like, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. Mm. And, and now is the time to really train. So, and you know what? I got kicked in the butt with that because I came in my freshman year at Alabama and physically I was very fit. I spent the summer before I went to school in the gym really working hard. Um, and I always believe you cannot fake your fitness. Mm-hmm. You might be able to fake your tennis for a day and be like, oh, I had a bad day, like whatever, but... I like that saying, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, you can't fake it. You're running a sprint. Like, you're not just going to be like, oh, I can't, you know, I'm not running fast today for some reason. Like, (laughs) you'll get called out. So, um, but I I came in really fit, but my tennis wasn't up to par. And I ended up not playing in the lineup my freshman year. And and I really felt hurt by that. Um, And that wasn't anyone's fault but my own. If I would have spent more time on the court, I would have been more successful. So I think... My advice for that is in a sense of training, once you commit, um, really, really start training at a higher level and, and try to play college players in your area so you can understand, hey, what is the standard that I'm mm-hmm. going to have to fill on the court? You know, it's, it's, you got to stop making unforced errors now. Your coach isn't going to like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to be able to win at a high level in a, in a strong conference if you're making silly mistakes. So maybe take off two weeks, you know, use Christmas time. If you commit early to take some time off, put your racket away. If you're feeling exhausted by, by being on court. But once the spring comes around, it's, it's time to compete and and put yourself in tournaments where you can feel that level of pressure because junior tennis is tough. And yeah, you might have some hard matches, but the pressure of when the match comes down to you in college and it's tied three, three, and you have to, you have to win your match. Um, you don't get that until you get there. So, yeah. so putting yourself in those pressure situations is important. I love that. And I love what you said. Once you commit to college, that is the, the start, not the finish line. So that's really, really important to think about. Once you hit that goal, well, guess what? You've still got four years of that. So really hitting the gas pedal. I love that. What, um, what was a realization you had during your four years of college tennis? I feel like that was probably one of them, but what was a realization you had during your time playing college tennis? Yeah, I I think I had a lot. I mean, between the ages of 18 and 22, I think you're just discovering a lot of new things. You're, you're not living with your family anymore and you're on your own and you're having to deal with victory and defeat. And yes, you have teammates and a coach, but, um, you know, they have your back most of the time, but they're not your family. Right. Um, and so I, I think the biggest thing for me, actually, um, a quick story. So I, I, I said previously, you know, I didn't play in the lineup my freshman year. Um, we had a, a junior playing our five position and a senior playing our sixth position. They were they were winning all the time. So there was no reason for my coach to put in a freshman who was maybe close to the same level as them, but didn't have the experience um, in those spots. And so going into my sophomore year of college, that summer of training, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, we were required to play some tournaments in the summer just so we weren't sitting our butt the whole time. Um, and so we're required, we were required to play maybe 
three tournaments and, and I was playing maybe six tournaments in three months um, and, and really training hard. And so when I came in in the fall, I mean, I couldn't see straight on how badly I wanted to win mm -hmm. because I wanted to be in the lineup so bad that year. You know, the reason for me playing college tennis was to contribute. And I felt like, okay, if I'm warm in the bench, I mean, there were ways I contributed, but I wasn't putting a point on the board for my team. And so that fall I came in, we, we probably had four or five fall tournaments and it honestly felt like I was playing with a piece of plywood. Like mm. I was so tight. I wanted to win so bad. Um, I felt like I was a beginner on the court and you know, it's like, how can you say that? Right. You're training 20 plus hours a week. You've been playing tennis for a long time and, and yet you feel like a beginner on the court. And so I had some mental breakdowns that fall. Um, I remember meeting with my coach and we had an end of the year meeting and she really asked me like, what do you, what do you love about tennis? And I, I couldn't come up with an answer, you know, and I ended up just crying in her office and, um, and she was like, I just want you for, for Christmas break until we start the spring season to just have fun. I just want you to have fun. And, and that's crazy sometimes hearing that from a college coach, right? Like right. someone who's like, like we, she's a SEC coach. Like she could lose her job. There's such pressure in that situation. And she's telling me her player, I don't care what happens. I just want you to have fun. And so that, that Christmas break, I came home and, and trained with my dad. He, he was my coach and came back that spring and, and she gave me a chance in the lineup. And I just, I just told myself, Hey, I'm just going to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think there's two sides of it, right? Like us training so hard and wanting it so bad that we can't even let ourselves play freely. And then there's the other side of it, right. Of not training hard enough and then expecting ourselves to be confident on the court. And I think when you find that middle place of like, I've put the work in, I don't need to worry anymore. Like I just need to go and 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 play and have fun and and embrace what's going on then we get in the zone um but I think that was a huge realization for me of like you're putting in the work you don't have to force it yeah like it it will come yeah. just just enjoy it well I feel like that is something that so many players don't realize and I can relate to that a ton because I wanted it so bad that that's exactly what happened to me on the court too, right? Like I started playing so tight because I wanted it so bad. So going back to that question she asked you, it's a powerful question. Why do you even play in the first place? What do you love about it? Um, that's amazing. I feel like you touched on this a little bit, but I want to delve a little bit more into what it looked like to take ownership of your tennis during college. Because I feel like transitioning from junior tennis to college tennis, where junior tennis, your parents are driving you around, they're taking you to tournaments, they're registering you. They're making sure your rackets are strong. And then in college, you're responsible for so much more. You're responsible for your development. So what did that look like for you to take ownership of your tennis during college? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll tell you where I didn't take ownership, first of all. Um, I, I did a lot of things right in college, but that's because I had to. Hmm. Um, I was not going to play in the lineup if I didn't do things right. But I'll tell you, my coach, she'd always get on top of me because... <laughs> Um, I'd show up to practice being 10 minutes early was on time. So I'd show up right at that 10 minute mark, maybe 9.59 and my shoes wouldn't be tied. My hair would all be undone. And she's, you know, screaming at me cause I can't get myself together. And, um, you know, I'll say one thing that I really appreciated about all of my coaches at Alabama where they, they really held me to a very high standard of excellence. And so, 
Um, I think that's just one thing first is, is, you know, what standard are you holding yourself to? If, if you're holding yourself to a standard of like, I'm just trying to coast, I'm just trying to get by, who knows how well you can do, right? But if you're holding yourself to excellence in everything you do, and, and I think that's something at Alabama that's just preached, you know, maybe starting with Nick Saban and our football team, but my freshman year, there were six national championships. And it's like, if your team wasn't coming home with a SEC trophy or a national championship trophy, like you had to work harder. Um, and so personally for me of like, what did it look like to hold myself to excellence um, was, you know, eating just simple things, right? Like, did I get enough rest last night? Am I eating right? Like you're in college, right? People are partying, people are not partying. I mean, I really didn't drink alcohol that often. Um, you know, but these are things we need to talk about because they're yep. real things. Yep. And it's, it's everything that I put in my body was important. But I think just, you know, when we're talking about the court, I scheduled individuals, which we call, which are private lessons, but we called them individuals in college. I mean, I would schedule multiple times a week with either one of my coaches, um, that they, they didn't say we had to do that, but just 30 minutes here and there, I would schedule individuals with my fitness coaches, um, because I needed to work on an explosive first step. Um, I remember my junior year, my coach was talking about nutrition a lot. And I said, well, I can't encourage my teammates about nutrition to, unless I'm taking it really seriously. So I remember actually before Christmas, I was like, I'm going to give up sweets for the whole rest of the year, like the next seven months. And so I was like, if I can, that's be, a long yeah, time without like, sweets, I was by the like, way. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while, but I'm like, you know, if I can beat Christmas, if I cannot eat dessert at Christmas, like I can do it for the rest of the year. And I was in the best shape that year. Um, and I think a little bit of other things like my body was chronically hurting. I never had an injury that I had to get surgery or it had to take me off the court, but I had knees, feet, shoulders, whatever. And I was in the training room every day because if if I wasn't holding myself accountable to doing certain exercises, then I wouldn't be able to give my best on the court. So yeah. I think just asking yourself that question, like what is it going to take me to be excellent? Not looking at a teammate who we had girls playing one or two or three in our lineup who I just felt like, man, they're just so naturally talented. Like if I just had that talent, I wouldn't have to work as hard. Yeah. But then it wouldn't have been Emily Zaber. It would have been yep. someone else. So it's it's just recognizing, like, what can I do to get the best out of me? Because in the end, that's what's going to help my team the most. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important. And it, and it's good to have coaches who hold you accountable to being on time and tying your shoelaces. Yeah, and I, lo I love that <laughs> word excellence, right? Yeah. There's so much in that word of if you can just start thinking about as a player, what does excellence look like for me? as a player. That's big. And, and I love that it's simple things. It was your sleep at night. It was showing up to practice five minutes early so you could tie your shoes. It was the little things. And I really, really believe, and I know you do too, based on your experience as a player and as a coach, just that it's the little things that make up a great player. It's the little things oh, over yeah. time. So that's amazing. How can the girls who are listening to this podcast right now, how can they start training at a college level right now? Because a lot of times we we wait until we reach that level in order to start to start training at that level. And I actually really think it should be the opposite. I think girls should, if they have their aspirations of playing college tennis, how can they do that right now? How can they implement that in their practices, in their fitness? 
Yeah, I mean, I think this was a bit of a wake-up call to me when I went to college because your whole schedule during your day in college is surrounded, well, it depends what school you go to, but Alabama tennis tennis was, was a big priority, tennis and academics, so those were my two, and, you know, you wake up at 6 a.m., you're going to fitness, then you go to class for three hours, then you might have an hour lunch break, then you're on court for two and a half hours, then you're in the training room for a little bit, then you're eating, then you're studying. So your whole day is managed by what surrounds your tennis, really. And um, I think that's a hard scenario to like, okay, I'm going to do that right now in junior tennis fully, but recognizing how much time people in college are putting on the court, and that's 20 plus hours a week. And so, you know, I would say the first thing would be you know, evaluate if you need more quality or quantity of your tennis. Am I putting X amount of hours a week? Well, if I am putting X amount of hours a week and I'm not getting better, then I need to make more quality practices. I need to work harder. Um, especially if you're going to like a public school and you're in school from eight to three thirty or four, it's hard to put all that time in, but just doing the best you can with the time you have. Um, and two other things, I think the second thing playing practice matches. I think so often we're great practice players, but we don't know how to handle that pressure. And that's something I talked about earlier today is how can I handle pressure well? And so if there's college players in your area, calling them up, who cares if they're D1, D2, D3, NAIA, it doesn't matter. They're going to know how to play at that level. And you can learn from them just by asking questions. And then I think the third thing, which is something we don't talk about a lot is knowing how to handle our active recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, in college, we always got a rest day. Every day after our last day of our tournament, our last day of competition on the weekend, we got that off, which was usually a Monday. And I was going to the training room and going to the cold tub and getting stretched out and letting my body rest. And I don't think we do that well in junior tennis. We forget to stretch after a match. We forget to ice. Um, we don't do a cold tub. My days off were spent (laughs) on the couch. So I think this is very important. Eating ice cream, Yeah. (laughs) So, and it's like, too, you know, I I think as parents and coaches, we help with our junior girls tournament schedule and we, we do maybe two tournaments a month and, and recognizing like, is there a time where we can give them a week off, two weeks off to go on vacation and not touch a tennis racket? I know playing competitive tennis age eight to college, like there really wasn't a vacation where I didn't take my tennis racket. Yep. And so I think besides just you know, taking the rest off the court. Like, are we providing active rest in our tournament schedule so that we can keep it fresh? Yeah. Um, So I think those things are really important. Just being aware of our quality and quantity, playing practice matches, especially against college players, and then being aware of our active recovery, actually having active recovery, right? Which is going to help with injury prevention as yeah. well and, and the longevity of these girls' tennis careers. So my last question for you might actually be the most important, and that is you put a lot of work into your tennis as a junior player, a lot. And so now being on the back end of playing college tennis, was all of that time and energy and money and resources and all the things, was it worth it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so tough when you're in the thick of junior tennis, right? You're like, oh, I'm here by myself at a tournament. Again, I lost. Um, and and recognizing in a junior tournament too, like there's only one person getting the, the winner's trophy at the end. There's only one. And, and 
just going to practice on your own and dealing with, okay, where do I train? What academy do I train? Do I have a coach who really understands me? Do I have resources that I need? And, and really trying to take care of all those little things on your own. And, and the beauty of it is I remember calling my dad the first week I was at Alabama and saying, dad, this place is amazing. Like it has so many resources and all I have to do is work hard. Wow. And I think that is the biggest difference is like I had a team around me who was built in. I had academic resources. I had a gym with everything I could imagine at it. I had, we had a snack room, like we had a cold tub. We, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, but I just had to put my best foot forward and play. And I think it, that made all the years of junior tennis worth yeah. it. I mean, we got to, being at Alabama, we, we made it to number two in the nation for the first time in history. We were the first team to ever beat Florida. We won our first SEC championship. I saw two of my teammates win the doubles national championship two years in a row. Like these are experiences I would have never had. And, and the last thing I'm going to say in that is, is yes, I got to play at a high level and I almost got to pick whatever school I wanted to go to. And I recognize that most girls don't have that opportunity, but now as a coach, I tell people whatever level you want to play, like try at least one year, just try one year and see what that feels like and what that looks like, because it's so different than junior tennis and I really think you will enjoy being a part of a team. And try it. And if you don't love it after a year, you know, transfer or don't play tennis there anymore. But, like, any level is worth playing. Heck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and start now, right? Yeah. Start playing. Don't start playing college tennis the first day you step into practice. Start now. Start now with that mindset because that's what you had, Emily, which is why you had the ability to choose from different schools, which is why you got to play for a division one school. So instead of it being in fantasy land, you truly, truly worked for it. So this is, this was super valuable. Thank you for sharing those experiences, girls. I hope you got a ton from this. I hope you took notes. Um, Emily, thank you for being here today. And Absolutely. guys, we will see you next time on the Tennis Girl Nation podcast.